and welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host Justin Baker and I are here for the final preview of the 2023-24 NHL regular season uh, as we preview the Atlantic Division. And uh, if you haven't listened to the previous divisions, go back, subscribe to the show, listen to those. They are absolute fire, unbelievable stuff from uh, from us. Like absolute that? fire. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I mean, our predictions obviously are all going to come true. So that's uh, that's the beauty of it. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Justin, before we jump into it, how are you feeling about the Atlantic Division? Where would you rank the Atlantic Division in terms of top to bottom team? Like, let's combine all the teams. Like, wh- where do you land here in terms of how it compares to the other divisions? Yeah. I, so I would probably have to say that this is going to be the closest in terms of, you know, maybe outside of Montreal, but like one through seven is going to be tighter, I think, than any other division in this league. Um, maybe a close second, you could you could put the Pacific in there, but I think the bottom two teams in the Pacific are clearly bottom teams, whereas I think, you know, you could make an argument for teams one through seven here in the Atlantic to finish in almost, almost any order. I say that we're like, you know, you're obviously not putting Detroit or Ottawa at number one, but still there's arguments to be made for almost every team in here to finish at the top of this division. And to be honest, out of all the really bad teams in the NHL that are, you know, kind of in that rebuild mode, I look at Montreal and I think they're probably better than pretty much all those teams. Like with Suzuki and Caulfield and like a decent defense. I mean, they aren't that bad. They're they're almost in that like middling low lower pack to me. Like they yeah, they're gonna finish last in this division without a you know, some crazy miracles happening, but they they're I don't know that I look at their team and go, they're just desperate to lose. They're gonna be last in the league. I I still think they're not good. They're not a playoff team, but they are not the worst of the worst. Like I think both no. those both those bottom feeders in in the Pacific between San Jose and Anaheim are worse than Montreal. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Philadelphia is worse than Montreal. Yes, absolutely. And I think the nice thing for fans in Montreal is when, when you look at it, maybe you say, okay, cool. They'll have a couple more years of mediocrity being towards the bottom to get some really nice picks. But then when they're ready to make that push, right. Similar to where we are, maybe with those Ottawa's Buffalo's right now um, in the next couple of years, Suzuki and, and Cole Caulfield, for example, are going to be right in their prime. They're going to be just ready to kill it for the next, you know, five, seven years. And, and and same with, you know, the defense. I think the only question mark I have with the rebuild is, you know, what's the long-term vision as far as goaltending. But um, I think in this day and age, you know, it would be easy for them to acquire a decent goaltender, you know, through trades or, you know, free agency. Yeah. I mean, I've got no issue with Jake Allen or, or Montembeau from uh, like, Hey, you, you have a couple serviceable guys, they have their games, you know, like Jake Allen's not great, but he has his games. He He's not necessarily going to lose you a lot of games. He's not going to win you money games, but he's not going to lose you a lot of games. So Agreed. I, I, I think that they're, they're probably in the, as good of a spot as they can be for a team that is sort of not trying to lose, but like, it's like, they're not <laughs> trying to lose, but they're definitely not trying to win. Right. That's the, uh, it, they're in a weird spot. I, I just don't know how, I feel about Montreal because of that. Like, you know, you you look 
beyond the goaltending, you look at their forward group and you go like, hey, Suzuki, Caulfield, Josh Anderson, not a bad starting three there. And you toss in Tanner Pearson, who they acquired in a trade, who who looks like he's healthy. Kirby Doc, Alex Newhook is going to have an opportunity to kind of prove himself that he's a, a, a good top six forward. Sean Monahan kind of had a bounce back year. And then you're talking Slavkowski, who, you know, maybe he should end up in the minors when all is said and done. But uh, if he doesn't, you're hoping he's in your top six and he's making an impact. I, I don't dislike this team's forward group. Are they a playoff forward group? No, but they're not. Like You could make the playoffs with this forward group if you had a better defense and goaltending. I... I so that's why I'm confused about what this team really is. Like, are you trying to win? Are you like, because we, we've got some good players here. But yeah. So uh, where are you with their defense? What What do you think? I mean, it, it's young, right? I mean, you look at the, the players they have, Jordan Harris, Justin Barron, right? A lot of young kids here that we don't really know what they are yet. Um, and the thing I hate, you know, obviously – Right. I mean, you looked at Detroit, for example, right? We'll talk about the next. We knew Mo Sider was going to be something special when he was ready to be full-time in the NHL, right? They didn't have to rush him. Um, I don't know about any of these defensemen, like what they're really going to be, what they may turn out to be, right? I mean, obviously, um, you know, there's been hearsay and, you know, various reports on where they think some of these guys could be. But um, I, I do get worried because there aren't, in my opinion, enough veteran guys here to help guide this young defense. And so you wonder, like, when they start getting, when they start seeing the losses pile up, right? You start going on those four or five game losing streaks, right? When you're just mentally drained and beat down, you know, that's when you can see a lot of younger guys really just take a turn for the worse and hurt their development a little bit. Where I like to see those veterans there to help make sure that these guys are still mentally focused on the right path and doing the right things when they're going through those tougher, you know, uh, stretches of games where they're just, they, they can't get a, a bounce to go their way. Yeah. They, I mean, really it's Matheson and Savard. And then beyond that, there's not a whole lot of help. That's where you'd like to see, you know, it doesn't have to be somebody who's even in your lineup every night, but you'd like to see somebody that can fill that roster out. Yeah. You need to sub in a guy and, and, and move in a veteran player to, yeah, exactly like what you're saying. Just kind of steady the boat a little bit. They don't have that, and I mean, it's it's probably a reason why they uh, they will not find great success this year. Although with hey with with their coach Marty St. Louis, he seems to be developing uh, players in the right direction, and I think there's a chance that Montreal could finish like a little bit better than what we think. You know, they could finish in maybe seventh. Uh, well, I don't necessarily think on paper they're better than anyone in the division. I also think there are a few teams in the division that are like one more injury away from completely having the tires come off. Uh, <laughs> like, I, you know, I look at like Detroit. Detroit's going to be better. But what happens if Larkin goes down for a little for some time or, or to brink it? Or, you know, if when, when they have injuries, it's not going to be nearly as pretty. Um, Florida is already just decimated with injuries. Uh, and I think the start of their season is going to be tough. Um, Tampa Bay, I know they won their first game of the season against Nashville, but they're going to be in tough without Vasilevsky. Uh, I I think that there's some potential for Montreal to at least, maybe not by the end of things, but 
during the first half of the season to actually be in the conversation of, uh, hey, they're not too bad. Not too bad. Not too bad. Um, all right. Uh, I think it's safe to say we both have Montreal kind of securing that last spot in the division. Yeah, no doubt there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move on to the Detroit Red Wings. This is your baby right here. Um, I know we said, I know. So there's some people who are like, I thought you said you were going to do a separate episode for the Wings and the Leafs. Well, we ran out of time. Um, <laughs> things hit the fan, and here we are. We're, we're including it all in the Atlantic. So uh, we're, we're going to do the Red Wings. We're going to, as much time as you want to spend on them, uh, we will spend on the Wings. But let's, uh, uh, just give me your first, uh, I guess your first reaction to, where this team's going to go this year. Like, what are your expectations? Boy, I mean, obviously you want to continually see them get a little bit better than they were last year, right? I mean, I think that's the plan with any kind of rebuild like this. You want to see constant improvement year in and year out. But um, I, to me, I think they're, they're a mystery because um, when you see the drastic improvement that Buffalo made last year, right? I think with, with goal, you know, decent goaltending, they clearly would have been a playoff team and they, they, it was obvious they took that next step. Right? They were kind of so, like New Jersey the year before. You know, right. where you're like, man, if they could just get some goaltending, they'd be in the playoffs. And then, what do you know? New Jersey got goaltending, goal and they were in the playoffs. Right. And they're poised to be, a, I mean, people are calling them a Stanley Cup contender now, right? So, you know, who knows? Devin Levi New Jersey. comes in maybe. You're talking right. about yes, New, Jersey, New Jersey, right? Yes, okay. New Jersey, right? <laughs> and, and yeah. I was like, I don't know if I'm there on Buffalo yet. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, you know, again, maybe Devin Levi comes in now, and, and now that conversation next year we're having for Buffalo as we are with New Jersey right now. But with Detroit, it's it's almost like they're just they're still crawling, and they're, they're still trying to figure out how to walk yet. Because uh, to me, like, obviously you have to bring in young pieces. You can't be a playoff contender. You can't be a Stanley Cup contender without drafting guys and building from within. And so, um, you know, I'm just – I've been waiting the last couple of years for them to make that turn. Um, obviously, we started seeing it slowly with with Mo Sider coming in. Um, you know, like guys like Michael Rasmussen, or Lucas Raymond taking little steps here or there, and you hope maybe Lucas Raymond can bounce back from his sophomore slump. But um, I was expecting a few more younger guys to step up this season and get opportunities. And of course, uh, you know, Eisman goes out and signs a, a few veterans, which is you know, okay in the short run. Like, I, I love the Shane Gostisphere signing. I think that's that's going to be huge, whether or not it means, you know, just an improved power play and a great, you know, third-pairing defenseman to have and trade chip at the deadline potentially. Um, Jeff Petrie, I think, was another great move to get in at a value contract with retained salary. Um, but, you know, keeping around, bringing in a guy like Justin Hall, um, you know, not figuring out what to do with Ben Sherrod and Olimata really – um, those guys, you know, yes, they might be good on your third pairing defensively, but you know, I, I would rather see a guy like, you know, William Wallander or, you know, Simon Edmondson who looked phenomenal in the preseason come in and just, you know, throw them into the wolves and see what happens. Cause essentially that's well, what they're Buffalo coming up did. as soon as there's an injury, oh, especially Edmondson, especially, I mean, yeah, absolutely. He's, he's coming back. Yeah. But you know, with, with like Buffalo, right. I mean, out of necessity, they, they played Owen Powers. Rasmus Dahlin and these guys kind of took it and went with it. And so if you really have legit superstars or legit stars on defense, right, they'll come in and they'll they'll figure it out. And I think, you know, between Jake Wallman, Jeff Petrie, you know, Gossesphere, they've, they've got enough veteran guys back there to, you know, pick up some of the slack if these younger guys just aren't clicking right away, right? So um, it, it, to me, it's just really like, when are we going to see that next wave of young youngsters come in and guys like, 
you know, David Perron, who's on an expiring contract, right? Is he going to get re-signed? Uh, Daniel Sprong, he's been, you know, he's on their second power play unit. But to me, I'd rather see maybe a, you know, a, a guy like Joe Valeno get a little bit more time there. But, you know, again, it's, I'm not coaching. I'm not GM for a reason. And we'll, we'll see what ultimately happens in the long term if it, if it pays off, right? Because there were question marks surrounding the, the signing of a guy like JT Comfer, right? I mean, you, you brought in Andrew Comp last year, and then essentially JT Comfer is, you know, a, a slightly better and Andrew Cop. So is it really that much of an improvement? I think when I was looking at the, uh, the fact that they kept three goaltenders uh, says to me that, you know, they, they needed to send Edvinson down because he's, he's not going to go on waivers and they wanted to keep all three goaltenders kind of figure out where they're at with that. They didn't want to lose Reimer or Lyon for nothing. So, Instead, they send down the defenseman. I'm certain that Edvinson will be back, uh, especially, uh, you know, once other teams figure out their goaltending situation because the the Wings are in a nice position where it's not a huge deal to send him down right now. They they have some decent veteran depth. Uh, they basically have it's like the opposite of Montreal: too many veterans <laughs> and not enough young guys. Uh, but I think once other teams figure out what they're doing in the goaltending position and they can more easily slide one of those goalies down to the minors, I think that's where we see, uh, you know, that defenseman come back up, Edvinson. And and in the meantime, he just gets some time to develop in, in the minors. Like, there's nothing wrong with going back to the minors when you're 20 years old as a defenseman. It's not a problem. Oh, no. No, not at all. And, and I mean, look, Mo Sider did it. And uh, he, he turned out all right to me. So Turned out um, very all right. <laughs> yeah, which now the, the debate is, right, what's his next contract going to look like? Because, you know, we just saw Darlene sign that 8 times 11 deal, and now everybody's just pointing the finger at Mo Sider. Obviously, he's not there as far as, you know, the production and, and you know. Not the, the skill, same but, offensive juggernaut that Darlene looks like he's going to be, but but that's, I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think he's still kind of going to be that, like, 50 point defenseman every year which is still incredibly valuable and I think that his defensive game may turn out to be better than Darlene's in the long run agreed all right uh in that forward group I know you're talking a lot about a lot of the veterans that have come up there's one player in particular who I'm looking at as like this is the this has got to be the last hurrah on if things don't go the way that everyone's expecting I am expecting Michael Rasmussen to take that next step. You know, he had a 15 goal season two years ago, thirty po- almost 30 points in 56 games last year. Are we going to see a guy who can finally stay healthy, put up 45, maybe 50 points here and really secure and lock his place into the top six? Uh, or is this a guy who, you know, ultimately is just maybe a top nine forward uh, he's going to play in the bottom six of that forward group for his career. And he's, you know, is he going to be a $2 million player or can he make himself into a $5 million player? Cause that's really the, the crossroads that he's kind of in right now. Yeah, that that's a good question. I think the wings would like to see him be a 40 to 50 point guy, because if you can, if you can have one of those on your third line, that would be ideal, right? I think right now uh, the red wings are expecting Robbie Fabry to be that top six guy. Um, you know, along with David Baron, uh, Lucas Raymond and, and Debrigkat on those wings. Um, 
But, you know, hey, if, if Fabry's not working out, I think Michael Rasmussen is, is a great guy. You can interchange those two guys on the wing on the left side there and move them up between that, that middle six pair, you know, line slots. And so, um, you know, right now, I, I just looking at daily faceoff, um, you know, Rasmussen's not on any of the, the power play units. It looks like he's, he's slated to start in that third line um, with Andrew Kopp and Daniel Sprong, which, you know, again, he's a big guy. So, you know, I, I think with, with his soft, his silky hands and his size, he, he could potentially blow up to be, I mean, just a really good piece for this, this middle six line in Detroit here. So, um, you know, ideally if, if the wings end up having to pay him, you know, four or 5 million bucks, I, I don't think that's anything they'd be upset yeah, then, about given, uh, yeah, if he had a, if he had a great season this year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, here's my issue with Detroit. I, I like what they've done in terms of essentially creating quite a a bubble for themselves with the players that they've brought in, Cop, Comfer, Perron, uh, Daniel Sprong, these guys over the last two years that they brought in. Uh, and I'm not including Debrinkin on purpose. So they brought these guys in that essentially are that make them bubble proof. Like if one of those guys goes down or if Larkin goes down, they do have players that can play up in the lineup. Comfort proved he can play up. He can play with the big boys. Uh, he's not going to put up huge point totals, but he can definitely, he could limit the damage of losing a really good player higher up in the lineup. So the, the wings have created for themselves a nice bubble uh, where they're not going to be bad. I just don't know. Aside from to and Larkin, where the game breakers are. It's almost like they are kind of in that New York Islanders vibe. They have now they're much younger, but the Islanders have a lot of decent players who, you know, they they play a certain system, they're able to win games, but their game breakers were certainly low. Like they didn't have a lot of guys where you could just go just go out there score a goal. And which is why they traded for Horvat. Uh, I still think they need another one. That's besides the point. But <laughs> Detroit still doesn't have those guys. Now I know Raymond is the one that everybody's looking at. Like, bro, it's time to it's time to get going. I mean, he's only twenty one. He's still on his ELC, only twenty one. But I, I know he's kind of the guy that everyone's looking at. Going, when are you going to become the game breaker? Score thirty goals or more. Uh, at this point, I think he'd be happy if he scored twenty five. But. That is what is missing from this lineup. Aside from, of course, Debrinkit and Larkin, uh, more more or less Debrinkit. Like I think Debrinkit should go out and score forty goals this season and get back to that pace. I just don't see where the other game breakers are, and I think that that's what Detroit's missing. It's kind of how what they've been like screwed out of by every time the lottery comes, it just doesn't go their way. Uh, but I'm waiting for that extra game breaker that they really, really need to keep pace with the rest of this division. This division has too many players that can score at will. And there's not many of them on Detroit. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think, you know, obviously to and, and Larkin on that top line is great. Um, but you look at, you know, I, I look at the rest of this lineup and I say, this kind of reminds me of a poor man's Seattle Kraken lineup right now. Um, where you have a lot of guys that are that used to be middle six guys that you know kind of took the opportunity and ascended a little bit, played a little bit better, and, and ultimately propelled Seattle into the playoffs. Um, I don't know if 
you know, the players that Detroit has right now are capable of taking those next steps because they had opportunity on their, you know, previous teams to do that. And while they, they, they did in a little, you know, respect, I, I just, I think they've kind of topped out as far as what we can expect to see. Copped from out. Oh, you said topped out. <laughs> topped out. Yeah. They <laughs> copped <laughs> out. <laughs> but I, I wonder though, you know, maybe looking, I, I just, you know, took a quick peek at next year's free agent class the next summers. And, and I wonder if Iserman is just sitting here waiting to snag one of these guys. And when I say one of these guys, I'm looking at William Nylander, Jake Gensel, Steven Stamkos, or maybe even Tyler Toffoli, these guys who put up 30 plus goals every year and maybe hoping that one of those guys can come in, slot in on that second line without any questions and be that, I mean, that line driver that they desperately need on that second line. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just don't think that can be a strategy. You can't you're like the strategy can't be well we'll get someone else's guy when he becomes a free agent because it just so very rarely works. That's uh, uh, I mean it, right. it certainly and, and maybe can the, happen. The fallback is is trade right if if one of these guys aren't available then we'll make a deal and, and bring somebody in. Yes, yeah, and I mean I think that's also you know can Marco Casper can he become. Uh, that game breaker that you need get, you know, is Lucas, the time is not up on Lucas Raymond. Uh, certainly he has time still to, to continue to develop. Uh, but yeah, I'm uh, all, all in all, I like where Detroit's going. I like their depth. I think they've got, they, they did it the right way to protect their young players. Like, Hey, I mean, very easily you could have, I mean, Soderblom played a little bit last year. Uh, Jonathan, 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 Jonathan Bergen, <laughs> he uh, he was up there for a little bit last year as well, and for sixty seven games, and they both played pretty well, and they're both finding themselves in the minors. So i I think they're in a great position because at any point in the season, you can go, you know what, uh, we're just going to bring these guys up, like cap be damned, or like yeah, hey, we're going to put somebody on waivers who's actually making some money, and if we lose them, so be it because our young guys are playing so well. I like that they have the options to do that. And and on top of that, you've got Zach Aston Reese in the minors who you know, is always good for a call up and he can, I'm sure he'll find his way onto the, onto the roster. Um, but Detroit's in a good position. If they have any injuries, they they're not going to fall off too much. And I, th- I think that that's important and there certainly will be opportunities for their youngsters. Uh, I just, I guess the last thing to really talk about is their goaltending Outside of who, so how are you feeling? How are we I feeling mean, about I, James Reimer right now, Alex well, Lyon? Well, I like Alex Lyon. I think he's he's a he's a good goaltender to have. You know, potentially be your number three or even number two goaltender. Um, I I have no I have no issues with with what they have because um, you know if James Reimer is shit in the bucket or you know uh, you know gets hurt, which he often does. Uh, Alex Lyon is is a great goaltender. I think to have be your number two. I mean, you look at. I think for the most part, Alex Lyon had a, he had a healthy 15 games there with the Panthers. Outside of that, he really has not been that good. I mean, he's been very below average throughout the rest of that time that he's found himself playing. Now, granted, he's never played outside of last year. He had never played more than six games, uh, 11 games in a season. So it's not as if he's really got an opportunity to get into the groove. So I'm, I'm willing to give him that. No, and he's played with some very poor defensive teams in Philly. But what I will say is, you know, you look at his numbers in the AHL, they've always been pretty respectable. So um, 
no matter where he ends up, I think he's still going to give you quality goaltending. Maybe not, you know, he wouldn't be that backup. Like for example, when, when we look at Tampa Bay, right. When we're, we have question marks, right. About their backup. And now even more so because now, you know, he's thrust into the spotlight and, um, you know, I, again, I just, I, I think there's, there's some security in having a veteran guy like Reimer there, you know, who is going to be good for, you know, maybe, you know, uh, guys like, games. you know, yeah, maybe, yeah, 20, 15 games, whatever. And you can play Alex Line another 10 games and, and then give Billy Huso 50, 55. And I think that's, that's, you know, it's not a bad way to go about it. And to me, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with Detroit's goaltending. I like that they don't have guys signed long term beyond a couple of years because um, I'm hoping that, you know, eventually in two years, Sebastian Cosa is ready to make that leap. All right. And uh, g- give me your thoughts on where Detroit's going to actually finish. Yeah, I, I don't think I mean, I think everybody's pretty much, you know, that I've, I've read online. Every prediction has got Detroit at seven, Montreal at eight. But I surprisingly, I'm putting Detroit at six. I think they'll finish sixth in this division. I do think there is one team who finished ahead of them last year that is going to fall down to that seven spot. Okay. All right. Looking forward to finding out who that team is, which we'll find out here in a second. All right. So let's move on to our next team. Unless, unless of course, if I missed anything with the wings, I want to give you the no, opportunity let's go. to say, okay. All right. Uh, let's continue our trek upwards through the, uh, the old standings, and we're moving on to the Ottawa Senators, at uh, who finished third last, sixth in this division last year. Uh, I'll just start off by saying for the Senators that they're in a tricky position from maybe where we would have talked about them at the draft, going, all right, we've got Stutzla, Norris, and Pinto, one, two, three at center, pretty great. Uh, now, Josh Norris, who knows when he's going to play, and... Uh, Shane Pinto still unsigned. They've got to make some kind of move here, and uh, they are they they have all but sixty two thousand dollars in cap space right now. Uh, my guess is that with Norris going on IR, if they actually do engage that and put him on IR, which it certainly sounds like they will, uh, they will have the room for Pinto. And then it's just going to depend on what they're willing to pay him. And I'm looking over at none other than Jamie Drysdale kind of deal for oh, because they okay. are in the same position. They are both the 10.2 C RFA where they can't be uh, they can't be offer sheeted, and that was Jamie Drysdale as well because of the lack of games last season. So I'm looking at a similar deal. I'm I'm sure Ottawa's like, no, we're not giving you a one year deal, no way, because it, I mean, yeah, of course. I'm sure Pinto would be willing to take a one-year deal, uh, but Ottawa probably wants him to take a little bit longer of a deal so that they they have all that locked up. Uh, but where where are you with this team without Pinto, without Norris? Now, I mean, hey, could this this could be different tomorrow. He could sign, but right now, as far as we know, he has not signed. Yeah, and there's, I mean. You know, there's really been no indication on, you know, what kind of deal he's even looking at, right? I mean, I think we knew with, um, you know, with, for example, um, Trevor Zegers, right? We we kind of knew what the term was going to be like. We had a, a decent idea what kind of dollars he was going to kind of fall under. Um, and ultimately, it, it kind of panned out pretty close to that. Now, there's always a little bit of smoke before the fire. But with this one, I, there's really no smoke. And I, I worry that, 
any long-term absence from both Pinto and Norris is really going to have, um, gosh, just, it, 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 I mean, it, there's nothing good that comes out of it, but, um, you know, Ottawa has traditionally been a team that, that just has slow starts, right? I mean, it's, it's four. I mean, year five of, of the DJ Smith era. And, you know, they just, they never seem to get hot. Has it been five years already? Yeah, this is his fifth year. Oh my goodness. Wow. I know. And, and to me, if there's any coach that's on the hot seat, he is probably the, the coach on the hottest of seats. And that doesn't necessarily mean they have to make the playoffs, but I think they have to be, be in the damn mix close. the whole time. You better, if you, if you don't make the playoffs, you better miss it by like less than five points. Yes, absolutely. Be in the mix the whole time. Yeah. And especially given new ownership where like they have no ties to him. It just as, you know, Hey, we'll bring in the guy that we know and like. Right. And we, you know, they're about to spend a bunch of money to build a new stadium for this team and build in an entertainment district. I think they said something like $5 billion. Who knows? That's it. it, Right. Yeah. Um, But all that money they're going to spend, right. They want results right now. This team is ready to push. They've got the young pieces um, and, and Giroux's not getting any younger. So you want to strike while the iron's hot and, and who knows if Tarasenko is going to be around next year or if they can go out and sign anybody similar to a team like Detroit that could really use another line driver. So, I mean, they already lost, you know, they already lost to Brinkett. You don't want to have to lose another guy, you know, this offseason and have to go in next season even more shorthanded. Well, I guess you, it's probably fair to say Tarasenko is to Brinkett's replacement. Uh, and honestly, as far as the production goes, I from last year, I don't think there'll be a huge difference <laughs> because to Brinkett really didn't fit. It just was he just had that down year and I, I think, And what if Tarasenko doesn't fit, right? That production could dip even more. That's true. Yeah, Tarasenko, I mean he had what eighteen goals in sixty nine games last year and and fifty points. So I mean I, I would think that Tarasenko will be in a uh I guess I'm I'm hoping he fits because I think that the idea of like him and Giroux together just makes me happy for some reason. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh I look at the forward group and I like I like what I see outside of that center position with people being hurt or being unsigned and hurt. My my issue here is like all right, let's let's just assume Pinto's going to get done. Uh by the way, I they did offer him 1 year, 1 million and he rejected it, which I probably would do. Uh he put up 35 points last year. How are you going to give him a million bucks? Yeah, it's at least two to three million bucks right there. So I I understand that he's a like yeah you don't have leverage no team can offer sheet you but you kind of need Shane Pinto and I guess like when I look at this I go I mean you're gonna get the cap space from Norris but also there's got to be somebody that you can just kind of shoo away a little bit here like you're you know if you have to replace somebody. I don't know. Yeah, but I guess Matthew Joseph. See you later. Yeah, but he just signed for three years. That's going to be tough. I mean, that seems like Kubalik maybe is a guy you have to you have to move. <sighs> yeah, but Kubalik, man, he's going to give you twenty goals yeah. on that third line. Like that's that's true. You can't afford to lose that. That's true. I I guess you look at it and you go, all right. Well, like Rourke Chartier, who's making seven seventy five. If that goes away, uh, well, that's. Basically, they have like eight hundred thousand. <laughs> so, 
it's it's going to be really really tricky for them to to fit him other than Josh Norris coming back but then what do you do when Josh Norris is healthy that's going to be your other issue well so here's the thing right now they're right? already they're, going 17 players tonight well that's the game. thing right they're they're shorthanded regardless so if somebody goes down where it's not a long-term injury right and you have to call somebody up i mean you're you're kind of screwed yeah it's uh a beautiful lesson in cap management or mismanagement, I guess, by Pierre Dorian. Uh, I mean, they, they do have, like, they've got some great value contracts, though. I, I like what he's done in terms of signing the, the price point that he signed players at. Uh, but, yeah, they just there's just not enough cap space to go around, I guess. It's that the, uh, it's really, it's that Josh Norris deal that's just killing him right now. Um, I'll bet. Where where do you land with this? You know, new goaltending and Jonas Corposalo. Uh, Jake Sanderson signed to a big deal after playing like six games. So, and I, I'm in jest, but where where do you land with this team actually finishing? Yeah, I mean, I do think this team is going to finish better defensively. I think their their goaltending to me is a little improved. I think their defense is obviously improved when you get a full year of Sanderson, who I think is going to be a home run um, and in a couple of years make that contract look very valuable. Um, but ultimately, I think they're going to struggle to score goals and be a cohesive unit to start the season. They're probably going to get off to another slow start, in my opinion. And 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 I do think, given the expectations coming into this year, I think there's a very short lease for DJ Smith. And if ownership comes in and says, you know what, it's just not working, let's go out and get a guy like Bruce Boudreaux, right, to come in and who always Ooh. seems to, you know, rejuvenize teams wherever he goes um you know they may they may pull the, the plug pretty quick and ultimately I, I just think there's going to be a lot of rocky um ups and downs for this team and there's just not going to be any consistency especially you know tarasenko i i just i have this gut feeling he's just not going to fit in well there um or at least with dj smith to begin the season and so um because they're going to get off to a slow start and i think with teams like buffalo detroit trying to jump them and stay in front of them in the standings. Ultimately, I think Ottawa is going to be my number seven team. Okay. Uh, I, I think with a healthy Shabbat, that's, that's very important. I think that was a, that was a big thing uh, when he went down last year that really hurt them. I know it was, you know, he missed 14 games, but I think those, those 14 games are very important when you need every single game to have an opportunity. Uh, I think health in general is just going to be an, an absolute premium for the Ottawa Senators. They have to stay healthy. Uh, when I talked about Detroit and I said I didn't think they had too many game breakers, I think that Ottawa has has more game breakers than Detroit. Their defense is better. Uh, I like their goaltending a little bit better from top to bottom as well. But I don't think they have the same amount of depth if one guy goes down, I don't know where the next guy's coming from. Whereas Detroit, it's like, well, if one guy goes down, there's somebody that you can call up and and slide in pretty seamlessly, especially because you know you've got a couple guys in the minors that played most of the season in Detroit last year who put up like 30 to 40 point seasons in the bottom, the bottom six. So uh, they're in a good position from a depth standpoint. Ottawa is not. And I think you're right. Like if there's any injury problems which there already is with Norris uh, this could be really messy really quick because shoot 
if I'm an Ottawa Senators fan, like you have to make the playoffs this year. And if you don't make the playoffs, you better miss it like on the last day of the season. Like I need to be fully engaged all year long or I'm going to be pissed and, and heads need to roll. Pierre Dorian fired, DJ Smith fired. That would be where I would land mm-hmm. uh, if I'm a Sens fan. Um, ultimately, though, I think that they've got they've they've got enough here to where they will be in the mix for most of the year. It'll be interesting to see if they're able to do anything at the deadline. I, I think they're so up against the cap. I'm not sure if that's possible, but uh, if there's any injury to Norris and it's long term, then you know they would have plenty of space. Uh, I I hesitate to put this team into the playoffs because I'm just not sure who they're going to jump, but they could do it. Like this, this could be a year that they make the playoffs. Things need to go right. And thus far, not much seems to be going right from behind the scenes from a Shane Pinto standpoint and from an injury standpoint with Josh Norris. So I am, I'm respectfully hesitantly saying, yeah, this team could finish fifth in the division. That could be a playoff team. That might not be a playoff team. With how good the Metro is, it probably isn't. But I think they finish fifth in the division. Fifth? Okay. And I don't know if I said that. I think Detroit finishes in sixth, but that's where I have Detroit in sixth. You didn't? No. I'm glad to hear that. I have Detroit in sixth, yes. I don't know who's in your seventh spot yet, so I can't wait to hear that. No, you don't. Um, (laughs) Well, yeah, you don't know who I have. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, yes, we can look forward to that someday. Uh, someday. someday. <laughs> All right. Next, uh, next up is the Buffalo Sabres. Um, I think this is, it's like the Buffalo Sabres are in year five, maybe like year six. The senators are in year five and the Red Wings are in year four. Like, it seems like they're all a few years, like a year apart in terms of how they should be progressing. And like last year, Buffalo almost made the playoffs. And I think that that's what you want to see from Ottawa. Almost make the playoffs. And what you want to see from Detroit is like make an effort and be there for most of the way. And that's where I think Ottawa was last year. So I, like, I think they're kind of all on the same kind of progression. They're just one year behind each other. Uh, it would be devastating if Buffalo doesn't make the playoffs this season. And I, I, I mean, they've got all the pieces to do it. At this point, I think that they've done a really nice job developing their players. They didn't do a ton in terms of adding players in the offseason, uh, especially in their forward group. But they're just going to give uh, this group the opportunity to go out and do what they need to do. And uh, I also really like the addition of uh, Connor Clifton. Yeah. On defense. I can't argue with that. I mean, I think they did a great job of bringing in some veteran guys like Connor Clifton and Eric Johnson to to kind of sort that defense. Because really, I mean, outside of goaltending, right, we knew Devin Levi was coming, so they really didn't have to do too much there. And but, I, I actually don't mind Eric Comrie from a, for a backup standpoint. Oh, no, not at all. I, I like the three-headed monster they're going to roll into this season with, right? Comrie's experienced enough. I think he brings a great veteran present for some of these younger guys like UPL and Devin Levi. But Yeah, if I can't say Ukapeka Lukanen at least once per show, I, I get pretty uh, agitated. So <laughs> I, need, I need him to stay up with the big big club. Yeah, but but now bringing in a guy like Connor Clifton and, and you know, even to a lesser extent, Eric Johnson, kind of takes a little bit of pressure off of Owen Power, right? You don't have to rely on him 
as heavily anymore. I mean, not necessarily that they're not going to. I think they're still going to push him to, you know, he is that number two defenseman for this team, and they'll play him accordingly. But if he struggles a little bit, you don't have to freak out and say, oh, shit, we're, we're totally screwed now. Like, we don't have anybody else on defense, right? I mean, Matias Samuelson, he's, he's fine defensively, but he's not going to produce offensively at all for you. We knew that. Um, so this, you know, this just adds a little bit of cushion for them, and Connor Clifton can be a guy who's very, very serviceable at the top of your lineup or, you know, wherever else you feel like putting him. So Yeah, um, it, al- it also – it just takes away some of the responsibilities on special teams from Owen Power – like you don't have to put out your young guys on the penalty kill every time uh, because yep. you've got these veteran guys that can go out and do it. I think that that's important too. Like Connor Clifton is going to see a lot of PK, a lot of PK, <laughs> yeah. And that's that's a, and so so is Matias Samuelson. I mean, Darlene and Power will certainly be out there, but you you don't want to have to feel like you have to leave those guys out there uh, longer than you should. And you want their time to be spent on the power play because maybe they, that's that's where they're going to put up their points. That's where their their talent is going to be utilized the best, and that's where you want them to have the energy to put into is that power play. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing uh, exactly what this power play can do because I mean shoot, Tage Thompson, I I really still like Victor Olafson. I I think he's got a nice shot. I think he can still kind of slide in uh, all up and down your lineup, sort of. Not He's not a Swiss Army knife kind of player, but he is a player who can play with almost anyone and still just score goals. I, I don't know why I'd call him a game breaker, but he is a guy that can score at any point. Like, he's not going to score a ton of goals. He's going to score 20 goals, but he's somebody who is reliably... He's going to score wherever he is in your lineup. He's going to score 20 goals. Yeah, he's a poor man's Alex Tuck. <laughs> True, and they have Alex Tuck. So, right. <laughs> so that helps. <laughs> yeah, which this guy, I mean, he might have the best contract in, in the NHL right now. I mean, maybe outside of Connor Bedard, but we won't talk about that. So, <laughs> Well, yeah, and that's, uh, that's just not a fair one. Yeah, no, no, no. But, I mean, look, Alex Tuck is going to, I think he's conti- going to continue to be a beast here. Um, they've got just incredible depth at the Ford group. And it's, look, it's a bevy of riches when you've got a, I mean, to me, a potential stud forward in Zach Benson, who I think is going to be a phenomenal top six forward at some point. Um, you've got the luxury of putting him in there. And, you know, Jack Quinn, whenever he comes back, I think he's still going to be, you know, a great third line piece to have there. And so when you don't have to worry about, um, you know, replacing a guy like Jack Quinn, right? Like, where am I going to get those 30, 40 points from? Uh, they've got enough depth up front to do that and fill in where they need to with guys like Casey Middlestad and and like you mentioned, Victor Olofsson. These guys can slide up and down the lineup, no problem. So, um, you know, really the, the, the question mark is, is Devin Levi going to come as advertised? Because if he's as good as people think he's going to be or even pretty dang close to it, I, there's no question in my mind this team is a playoff team. Okay. Yeah, the – uh, I was just looking at the power play percentages from last year. Um, uh, Buffalo finished ninth last year, 23.4%. I think that's going up just with the, the maturity of their defensemen, especially Dolan and, and power. Uh, I think that that's going to go up. Uh, just an interesting tidbit about the Atlantic division. Uh, they have in the top 10 of last year's power play, uh, they have five teams in there. <laughs> wow. And in the top 12, they have six. So, Half the league 
or half the yeah half the league in the top twelve is in the Atlantic Division for power play percentage. Uh, that's pretty darn good. Not too shabby. So yeah, I I'm looking at them. I I think their power play is going to be better. I I think the one area where I would be concerned is the goaltending. Like sure, Devin Levi played really well. I I'll, I'll give him that. He played well in the couple games that he got up there. So if Devin Levi falters, this team's in big trouble because I don't think an Ukapeka Lukin and Eric Comrie group is going to get it done. And well, I don't think Devin Levi is going to just go away. I think that there's a chance that, you know, maybe the few games that he got into aren't going to be the reality for the entire year. This may take a little bit of time. I mean, even the seven games he got into, he was still a 905 save percentage. It's not like he was a world beater. So that that's what I'd be concerned with is can they get the, the goaltending or are we looking at a New Jersey devil situation where they just don't get as good of goaltending as we hoped? Yeah. I mean, listen, there's, there's reason for cautious optimism here. Um, but you know what? I, I do think if there is, you know, a little bit of a skid, Eric Comrie can hold the fort for, you know, five, seven games, whatever, maybe you need him to. Um, but a long stretch, it's, they'll be in, they'll be in real trouble. Yeah. Uh, I, other than that, I mean, this forward group seems like it's a, it's a playoff team. They seem ready, you know, Tage Thompson, uh, you talk about the, maybe the best deal in hockey. It might be that Tage Thompson deal. Um, he's only at, le- at less than 8 million bucks for what he's going to put on the table. I mean, he's probably going to put, going to score 50 points, 50 goals this year could push it for a hundred points. Um, he's a, uh, he's a discount, a nice bargain deal for the, for the Sabres as well. Um, uh, they're, they're in a good spot. All $8.8 million in cap space. <laughs> and we're talking about them being a playoff team. There might not be, another team in the NHL that we're pretty sure are going to be at least like playoff contention. You know, I've, I've also, I've got the Buffalo Sabres. I'm, I, I'm hesitant. You know, I'm kind of between that three and three and four spot for the Buffalo Sabres. Um, but if they finish four, I think they're in the playoffs. Like, I don't think this is a situation where only three teams make the playoffs from the Atlantic. Um, so either way, I'm, I'm, sold on them being in the playoffs, whether that's in the three or the four spot doesn't really matter. I think they'd just be happy to get in, but you look at the other teams who are in a similar, like, Hey, they could make the playoffs. There's nobody with the kind of cap space. The Buffalo Sabres have that maybe the Red Wings with 5.1, but I don't think that the expectation for the Red Wings isn't like we're making the playoffs. If they do great, but I, I don't see it. Next most, probably the Seattle Kraken at 2.8 and the Carolina Hurricanes 2.7. But the Sabres at 8.8, they literally can do anything this next year at the deadline. They can acquire anybody. They will have no issues fitting them under the cap. And that is something also to consider. You know, this is going to be a team they haven't made the playoffs in 12 years. They are going to probably be willing to do a little bit at the deadline to end that streak. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you look at like some of the, the pieces they could bring in, maybe a Jason Zucker um, and Adam Henrique guys that, you know, veteran guys who can put up, you know, 20 plus goals. So that's, um, that's, that's value to have right there. 
Yeah, absolutely. All right, where do you have the Buffalo Sabres finishing? Yeah, I've got them finishing third in this division. Okay. I like yeah. it. I, I mean, I I love the. I, mean, I love it. Now, I, I don't have Devin Levi being like 929 save percentage. I think he finishes in 910, 19s, you know, that low area there. But it's better than last year, and I think defensively they're improved that much better where I think, um, you know, he doesn't have to be all-worldly to get them in the playoffs. Okay. Um, yeah, like I said, I've got them between the three and the four spot. I think uh, – Based on the other things going on in this division, other teams may be taking a little step back. Um, I, man, I'm just, I'm hesitant on that goaltending. I think I'm going four. I think I'll, I'll okay. stick the Sabres in that nice, the nice wild card position. But I think, I think they'll be first wild card spot. I, I think they're going to be decently ahead of that other wild card position where last game of the season kind of thing, we're not worried about the Sabres making the playoffs. We know that it's a foregone conclusion. Hey, they're getting in. That's all that matters. They're getting in. That's And uh, what what was it that I said about Philadelphia, that they were a lock that one year? <laughs> I won't say that about anybody anymore because I just I feel, I feel terrible. I feel like I caused that. I caused them to miss the playoffs. <laughs> um, okay, let's go to the... Florida Panthers as our fifth team in this division. They finished fourth last year in uh, just barely squeaking in last game of the season. The Pittsburgh Penguins absolutely dumped the bed and lost to the Chicago Blackhawks just like they did last night. And, uh, and yeah, they, they find themselves uh, in the playoffs. Of course, they take it all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals, an unbelievable run. Those Stanley Cup, that Stanley Cup Final run, I believe, has cost them uh, a, a few players here coming into the regular season, and uh, I'm I'm not sure their health status. You know, with what who who are we talking? We're talking about Montour uh, and Aaron Ekblad. and Aaron Ekblad. I mean, that's a that's a big hit. You're you know you've got Spencer Knight just doesn't seem to be uh, able to find himself. That hurts. He's starting too. in the minors. Starting in the minors, and it means and you've got Anthony Stolarz. Not horrible, but like, I I worry about you know, Bobrovsky needs a break. It's pretty clear. Like he he benefits from not playing often. <laughs> so I'm I'm worried there. You know, they tried their best to patch this up. They bring in Mike Riley, Dmitry Kulikov, who who was on the Panthers in the past, and Oliver Ekman Larson. And I just look at this defense, you know, Josh Mahura, uh, Nico Mikola, who's who's fine, turning out to be a decent top four defenseman. And then Gustav Forsling. I just, uh, their defense is, is maybe the worst in this entire division right now without Ekblad and Montour. Now that's not going to be the case forever, but find me a defense that you would like you would take Florida's defense right now as they are currently healthy over another team in this division. Boy, they're they're neck and neck there with with Montreal, but I I might And take that's Montreal's. a really bad place to be. Yeah, I might take Montreal's just because they got a lot of younger guys that right. have potential that we don't know about. Right, right. And and uh, Oliver Ekman Larson I think is a is a tease like he's a shell of himself. So take away his name and just put his stats there. And you're cringing. I just, I think the Stanley Cup run was a beautiful thing for the Florida Panthers. 
I think the start of the season is going to be really tough. Uh, I, as far as we know, Matthew Kachuk's fully healed from uh, from what happened to him with the hip uh, last year. But anytime you're talking big things like that, like a hip, I just wonder if that's going to rear its ugly head again. Uh, it's like well, a hip, a back, you know, those things. Not like, oh, all right, you you tweaked your knee. Like those things, those things heal and you move on from them. But your back, your hip, man, those are just some some big big things in the body that need to go. And if they don't, it's going to be a problem. Well, that's the thing. I, I think looking at that injury from the Stanley Cup final last year, we, we kind of figured out if Matthew Kachuk is out of the equation, this team's in real trouble. Um, not to mention, so they bring in Evan Rodriguez, which I think was a good grab, but he, to me, is more or less a middle six guy right now. He's slated to, to take that Anthony Duclair spot on that top line on the right wing. And so no Duclair scoring goals for them. I don't know if Rodriguez is really a goal scorer, so... Uh, you don't have that. And then Sam Bennett is day-to-day, and uh, Paul Maurice came out. I mean, Sam Bennett was in a walking boot on Saturday, not going to play the the opening night, apparently. And Paul Maurice said, quoted, longer than day-to-day. So so week-to-week. Yeah, yeah, wouldn't say week-to-week, but regardless, you think at least he's going to miss, you know, if you think maybe three to four games, right? You just, you just put it conservatively at that, and... Um, without this defense, I mean, they could dig themselves a huge mm-hmm. hole really, really quickly. And I, hey, I get it. They they dug themselves a huge hole last year, and they still made the playoffs. But that is the right. exception to the rule. Like you're not doing that twice. I'm sorry, <laughs> you're not doing that twice. No, uh, and I don't. I mean, don't get me wrong. Bobrovsky was great in the playoffs, but I just don't have faith in him to do anything remotely close like that in the regular season. Yeah, and uh, also, you know, hey, Barkov still a premier center in the league. Um, I think this is this is a year where uh, everyone's going to want to just go. Can we just forget about this year, not overreact, and, and just move on? I think that the Florida Panthers are going to finish seventh in this division. Oh, they're the team that I have down in seventh. Okay, I think they're going to fall. I have them at fifth, right above Detroit. But I mean, it's it's going to be a pretty. I mean, I don't think they'll be completely bottomed out, but I do think they. they no, I just think this division is too good. But, you know, I agree with you, and I, I think that we're going to look at this team like Vegas from two, you know, a couple of years yes. ago where they missed the playoffs. Yep. And um, Could win the cup because, the next year. Everybody's right, healthy could, could win the cup. Absolutely. And and the nice thing is is they have, you know, Sam Reinhart. He's he's a UFA, so who knows? Do they get him re-signed? But they've got a lot of defensemen that are going to be UFAs. Um, so maybe, you know, next year they have a little bit more cap space to work with, and they bring in a few pieces, and now they're, play, they're a cup contender again. There you go. Yep, I think this is just the the price of doing business of making it to the Stanley Cup Finals and losing. <laughs> you just uh, they gave everything they had, and unfortunately, I think it's going to cost them this season. Which, to be honest, even though they only they they didn't win it, um, boy, I I think I'd be willing to take that. If you told me like, hey, the Leafs will make the finals, but they have to make they have to miss the playoffs the next year, I'd be like, that's fine. Right. <laughs> that's that's fine with me. Uh, <laughs> They'll make it again. So yeah, uh, the the one thing they do have they do have some uh, some cap hit or some cap space available because of the injury. So you know maybe they, but uh, they know that Ekblad's coming back. So that's it's a tricky situation. You, 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 he's not out for the year or anything. So uh, you're, you got to be thinking about that. But yeah, I think the Florida Panthers unfortunately take a uh, they just took a bullet last year in the in the finals and it's going to cost them and they're going to fall much further than expected. Uh, I also think that it could cause them, you know, here at the deadline, 
maybe they just go, hey, well, we're just going to trade off a few of these guys, try to grab some assets. And I, I don't think they're trading Sam Reinhardt. Don't don't mistake that. But I think, you know, maybe you go, well, we can trade Mike Riley and Oliver Ekman Larson, and maybe they have a, a little bit of a bounce back year. They're they're a little better, so teams are willing to give up a fourth or a third round pick. And Florida can maybe recoup some of the assets that they've lost, you know, dealing their first round picks for the next six years. And uh, <laughs> for the next two but uh so yeah i think you know maybe a nick cousins could be a guy that you deal and i I think that that's a possibility if the panthers are out of the mix at that point so uh okay let's oh you said you had them finishing fifth i have them finishing seventh so we're good there let's move on to the team that finished third and that is the tampa bay lightning who uh, ultimately lost in the first round to the toronto maple leafs and they are without their superstar goaltender Andre Vasilevsky, and they will be for the first eh, six to eight weeks. I think is the vibe that I'm getting. So, where do you see this team going without Vasilevsky? They already won one game. Yeah, he didn't look too bad either, and in the regular in the preseason too, a couple of shutouts there. So uh, maybe he's got a chip on his shoulder, saying, "You know what? Hey, all the doubters, I'm gonna gonna go out and prove you wrong, right?" But um, Jonas Johansson. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know what? I think I think this team is so well coached. I think they have very – between Sergachev, Hedman, and Cernak, they've got a good defensive group in front of him. I think they'll play – they might have to adjust their game a little bit to be a little bit more structured in front of him and protect the goaltender a little bit more. But um, you know what? I think you know they brought in some guys like Luke Lendenning, Tyler Mott in, in the bottom line there who can you know play some good defensive minutes, and I think – between guys like Nicholas Paul, who you know scored a couple goals last night, I think they've got enough depth at the four groups. Still, it's not it, it's not as pretty as it was a couple of years ago when they were winning cups. But I think there's enough there. And given where you know we talked about teams like Boston and you know Florida, who are inevitably we both. I mean, I'm sure you think Boston's going to take a step back. I can't imagine you wouldn't. But um, I think there's enough there for them to keep this goaltending protected to where they can stay in the mix and be good enough in, you know, that top three or four spot long enough to where when, you know, Vassie comes back where they can then say, you know what, we're, we're going to, we're going to put the pedal down a little bit more now and play, play our game. Right. Yeah. Assuming health, their defense is just too good. Right. They're so good. I, Sergeyev and Hedman at the top of Chernak and uh, Radish, like they, they just, they're in a good enough position to where, yeah, I don't think that they fall too far. I don't know that they're a team that wins around in the playoffs right now, but I think that they're, they're still a playoff team. Um, one thing that could hurt them, you know, I, I, I was back and forth Buffalo three and four. Um, that's because I'm back and forth with Tampa being three and four. The one thing that I think could hurt them is if the Steven Stamkos drama continues, if anything weird happens and, <laughs> And you say, we're dealing you at the deadline or something like, I don't know. I doubt that. I, I can't see it happening, but uh, I think that that drama hopefully ends soon. Uh, Hopefully they take care of him and and keep him there for the rest of his career. That's I think what I want to see. I don't want to see Steven Samkos in another Jersey unless he's like 38 and you know, going after one more cup. I'm fine with that stuff, but like the Mike Madonna. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fine with that. But um, yeah, Steven Samkos, that drama could hurt. But I think that, again, they're like so well coached, so professional uh, that I, I think they'll be able to find their way through that. Uh, I think it's just kind of another hum-ho regular season for Tampa. Other than Vasilevsky being out, it'll just 
they'll this team just steps up when faced with adversity. I'm not really worried about him being out for two months. Now, if he was out for four or five, all right, then I'm worried. But I think they can weather the storm and uh, play their hearts out for the first two months. It might actually be good for them to have to come in knowing that they have to play a certain way because they don't have Vasilevsky back there. Uh, it, it might be good for them in the long run. And then they'll get them back, and maybe they're playing better defensive hockey in front of Vasilevsky, and who knows what it does for them. But I, I think ultimately I think they still finish third. And, uh, and you know, we're, we're looking at something similar to what we saw last year in the playoffs. Someone, yeah. someone and playing who, Tampa Bay in that spot. Well, let me ask you. I mean, like, gosh, can't they just call up Carolina? I mean, Peter Kochenkov is playing, got loaned to their minor league team. Right. Can't they just say, you know, hey, can we just use him in the the big league? Instead? Can we just borrow him for a few games? <laughs> that would that would be nice, wouldn't it? Uh, do you have where do you have Tampa finishing? Yeah, ultimately, I think assuming that guys stay healthy, especially in the four group and and between their you know their their top defensive unit there. Um, I, I just, I think that they'll get in the playoffs. I don't think they're going to push too hard with Vassie. I think they're going to kind of adjust their game a little bit to not be full throttle offense, um, and shot blocking all the time. Um, I, I think they'll probably finish in fourth right behind Buffalo. And I think they'll, you know, they'll get in the playoffs. It won't be like a scary situation where like, oh man, are they going to get in? They're going to miss by a few points. Um, no, I think they'll get in with, without an issue there in that four spot. Um, and if you remember last year, they were out, they were kind of out of the playoffs for for a second there. Yeah, yeah, and that might that might happen for you know a little while here, but ultimately, I think they're um, they're just too good. Uh, they're too good of a veteran group to to miss the playoffs. I think they'll get in. Um, you know, I, I do have my reservations about Tanner Janot, the price they had to pay for him, and whether or not he's actually going to produce. But well, he's on um, their fourth line, so that tells yeah. me what they think of him. <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, see there. But, um, you know, I, I think guys like Brandon Hagel, you know, Nicholas Paul, Anthony Sorelli, these guys are still going to produce and, and play well enough to get them in. All right. Um, let's move on to the Leafs. I want to I oh, move on to the you Leafs. You want to skip Boston? Well, Boston finished first in the division. So oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, last. sorry. Yeah, yeah. I thought yes. we were going to save Toronto for last, but maybe oh, that was that's my okay. brain. So. We'll, we'll do Boston <laughs> for last. That's okay. Um, okay. We're, we're sticking. We can't divert from the order now. We're on team number 31 of 32. We have to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, Toronto Maple Leafs, I mean, biggest thing in their offseason, of course, re-signing Austin Matthews. There's no drama. He signs to a four-year deal, so he's locked in there. Uh, They signed Tyler Bertuzzi, Max Domi, uh, Ryan Reeves, and surprise, uh, oh, and John Klingberg. And then surprise, out of camp, Fraser Minton makes the big squad because he had such a darn good... uh, opening you know preseason so yeah the Leafs are in a, a pretty good position from a depth standpoint feeling good because they I mean shoot anytime a 19 year old can come in and make this team like this forward group he cracks that roster you're in a pretty darn good spot <laughs> because yeah. that means you know other guys are are uh falling behind but that's okay like you still have Pontius Holmberg. You've got Nicholas Robertson. You've got Nick Abruzzi and Alex Steves. You've got other players in the minors who can play. Um, so there's there's a lot there in terms of depth. And I, I guess from your per, you, you have watched Tyler Bertuzzi for almost his entire career, his entire NHL career. You've been watching him as a Wings fan. Uh, how do you see him fitting in that top line with Matthews and Marner? Can he hang? Well, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he, look, we, we know 
like if, if you want to talk first and foremost about speed, right, the speed of the game, uh, how fast, you know, a lot of guys are, especially at that high end talent level, like guys like Matthews have, where they just, they think fast, they move fast, their feet are always going and they're, they're always two steps ahead of, you know, other guys that, you know, aren't in that superstar realm. Uh, Bertuzzi was able to hang with a guy like Dylan Larkin, who in my mind, he's not a superstar, but he's a star player. Um, and, and, you know, really didn't slow down. And he, Tyler Bertuzzi, the great thing is he's always willing to go in those dirty areas. He's always willing to go to the front of the net, take that that cross check, that extra hit to make a play happen, uh, which is going to be so valuable, I think, for you know guys like Austin Matthews, Marner, Nylander, whomever he's paired with, uh, to really help them you know thrive a little bit more. And I I think you know when we looked at guys like Zach Hyman, Michael Bunting, and what they brought to the table, I think Tyler Bertuzzi is better at all of those things. Mm than they were, right? I mean, whatever skill you want to point to and say, oh, that guy's really good just being a net front guy, I think Bertuzzi's better. You know, Zach Hyman just had an 83-point season. He's just scored 36 goals. Playing with Austin Matthews, so... No, playing with Connor McDavid, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, playing with Connor McDavid. But, but I mean, it is an interesting thought that, okay, Hyman signed, yes, he signed long-term, seven years, um, but he's at the same AAV as Tyler Bertuzzi at five and a half. Would you rather have Tyler Bertuzzi or Zach Hyman? Like, you know. Oh, I'd take Bertuzzi all day. Or even dating back to like the last two years, you could have had Hyman the last two years. Does that make a difference um, if they had just re-signed Hyman instead of trying to go down all these other routes? Uh, Because now you're giving Bertuzzi the same amount as him. So you think that Bertuzzi playing alongside these guys is going to do better than what Hyman would have been able to do? Yeah, absolutely. Because he's a higher skill guy. Yeah, I think he's he's got a higher hockey IQ. I think his skill level is just a, a little bit better than than those guys like you mentioned. I think he's a little faster too. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, top to bottom, this uh this is probably their best forward group that they're walking into a regular season with. Now, they maybe have had really good forward groups into the playoffs because of trades, but as far as the start of a regular season, I don't remember the last time that there was two rookies in the forward group who we I was this excited about since, you know, probably Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner walked in. And <laughs> I'm not saying that Nyes and Minton are going to be Marner and Matthews, but I do think that, you know, this is this is exactly what you need to win the cup. You need these guys on their ELCs who blow you out of the water. I mean, that's what Chicago seemed to always do when they were winning cups. That's what Pittsburgh was doing when Jake Getzel's coming up on his ELC. Like those are the players you need to win Stanley Cups. You need those players who are on their ELCs that can exceed expectations, come up faster than expected, and knock some veteran guys down the lineup a little bit and add speed higher up in the lineup. And I think they have that. I I, I can't say enough about the forward group and the way that it looks. Now there's some drama, of course, William Nylander and all that, but as far as the construction of it looks, I think they're in... Out of any team in this division, this is the forward group I'm taking. I don't disagree with you one bit. And, uh, yeah, I mean, with, with William Melander, I don't think there'll be too much of a distraction. I think, you know, again, the big dog, Austin Matthews, is signed. But I, I think really what's going to end up playing out is, you know, I think right now you're you're having, a, you know, management saying, well, are you really that guy we, we had last year, right, who could be over a point-per-game guy and, you know, put up 40 goals? Or are you the guy who – you know, necessarily a few years ago was, you know, a 60 point guy, you know, 70 point guy. What, what are you, right? Are you going to continue to put up that kind of production? And I think, 
he's going to go out there and say, you know what, I'm, I'm that 40 goal guy. I'm that point per game player. And, and then he's going to get paid, you know, what, nine and a half, 10 million bucks, sure. whatever it may be. So as a winger, um, probably eight and a half. Yeah. Eight, eight and a half. Yeah, million, yeah. And I think maybe his camp is sitting there saying, you know what, we don't have to rush into this. We can go into the off season because we'll see where the cap goes and yeah. we can figure out how much, you know, money they've got to spend and, you know, take advantage of that a little bit. And, um, you know, luckily for the, you know, for Toronto, like you mentioned, they've got younger guys like Nyes and, and Mitten on entry level deals, so they can afford to do that. Yep, yep, yeah. You're not going to trade them. You can't. You can't no. trade them. Uh, you could. You have to risk losing them, unfortunately. But yeah, it's uh, it's that. That's really the drama. Um, from a defensive standpoint, like you're hoping that Lilligren takes a step. I think you're you're pleased with Jake McCabe and what he adds to the group for the a whole season and. Uh, I think it's going to be maybe the biggest question is like, is can TJ Brody hold up uh, between Brody and Giordano? You know, can these two guys hold up and, and be as good as they have been in the past for the Leafs? Because uh, Giordano really kind of crumbled in the playoffs. And I think that was a matter of playing him too much when everybody seemingly was hurt on their blue line. So it's going to be finding him those, uh, you know, maybe moments through the season where he's not playing quite as much. Uh, and then from, you know, a roster construction. There's just not as much help on the defensive side. You know, they signed Simone Benoit, but they've got their seven guys up and there's not really a whole lot in the minors that you're dying to bring up right now. Um, other than, you know, Connor Timmons who got hurt and he'll, he'll be back, but um, no, but I, I do think at some point, right. You're going to have injuries. Uh, you're sure. going to get some cap relief a little bit that way. But I, I think at some point, right. Toronto's going to go out and spend, you know, a third round pick, maybe, uh, you know, a future fifth or whatever and bring in just like, you know, a number six, seven guy off of a team, like maybe, you know, for example, Detroit, right. An old Imada, a guy who, you know, the wings might look to move at some point, but um, they'll, they'll go in and bring in that guy for the playoffs for sure. Because again, I think down the stretch, uh, especially, you know, come that, you know, that April, that end of March time after the deadline, I think they're going to rest you geo a lot there and get in another guy to, you know, give him a breather so they can have him ready yep. for the playoffs. Yep. All right. Perfect. Where do you have the Leafs finishing? Yeah. I, I don't think there's any question they're top of the division. Okay. Yeah. I, th- I think so too. I think this is their year to, to be top dogs for the first, I think this would be the first time they won the division since uh, like 2003 or something like that or 2002. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I think there'll be a sizable gap. I mean, I'm thinking at least a 10 point spread between them at first and, you know, the team at number two. Yeah, similar to last year. I mean, Boston was just so far ahead. I, I don't think the Leafs are winning 65 games. Uh, no. <laughs> but Boston was just so so much further ahead. I think that it'll be it'll be a similar vibe. I think they'll be in, in command. Um, speaking of Boston, let's, uh, let's close out our entire preview here with the Boston Bruins, who will lose Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer, Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci, and uh, name Brad Marchand the captain. They go out and they sign Milan Lucic and James Van Riemsdyk to add to their forward group and uh, their their defense group. You know what Kevin Shattenkirk signs with them, and uh, but largely the rest of the team, you know, kind of coming back from a defensive standpoint at least. You get Lynn Holm for a whole year, and you know, what do you see going on with the Boston Bruins after losing their top two centers? Boy, I I see this being a team where they've got to rely maybe a little too heavily on pasta to score some goals and Jake DeBrusque. But I think they're going to be a team that's going to just play very, very tight defensively and just win those games two to one. And and they're okay with that. Um, 
you know, I think at some point, maybe this year, they'll they'll address their center depth issue. Um, you know, I, because I, I don't think a guy like maybe John Beecher, um, you know, or Morgan Geeky, whomever, Trent Frederick, they put in there at center. Um, I, I That's not a long-term solution. I like Pavel Zaka, but in a number two spot. And Charlie Coyle, same, in a number three spot. But maybe not that number one. And, and again, I don't think you'll be able to find yourself a number one centerman. Uh, via trade this season, but I'm going to tell you where that centerman's going to come from. I let's let's hear. Let's just let's hear right now. I think that the Boston Bruins are going to target Elias Pettersson, the Vancouver Canucks, oh. who is unsure if he's going to resign with the the Canucks, and the Canucks are now unsure if they want to resign him. And. Well, uh- I'll tell you what, man, uh, if they can somehow swing, I mean, I don't know if they have the assets to do that, but I mean, I I think they've, uh, they've proven that they can get things done. I mean, you've got, you can, you could deal Jake DeBrusque, uh, who would be a, you know, if, if he was willing to sign with Vancouver, not, not a bad uh, piece to include there. I mean, uh, as far as roster players, yeah, it's going to be tough to find a roster player, but uh, I guess picks and, prospects would be your your route but i think i mean boston's gonna target somebody some good center and i i don't see a center that is potentially available that's better than petterson i gotta think he's on their radar you're right i don't know if they have everything that they need right now to acquire him but i i think he's gonna be big time on their radar okay wow that that would be that would be quite the get for them. I mean, that's, you know, obviously, you know, what they ask in return is going to be huge. You know, do they go after maybe like a Jeremy Swayman and who knows? Maybe. Well, Boston's yeah, that would, would likely have to be, you know, you're probably going to have to include a goalie in there. Yeah, but that would be huge for, for Boston if they could get a guy like Elias Lindholm. I mean, I was thinking if, you know, to me, I think if for some reason, right, you see, you know, Calgary sort of faltering early and then they decide, okay, we're going to we're going to kind of blow this thing up. You know, Elias Limholm, I think, would fit in perfectly with this team with the kind of game that they play. But, I mean, Pedersen would be, you know, even a better get in my I, opinion. I think so. maybe maybe a, an an easier get because they're older. You know, you look at like a Logan Couture. You look at Thomas Hurdle. If you're right. able to acquire one of those guys, those are those that would be a good move as well. I could see maybe Hurdle fitting better in Boston from a like a stylistic point and and the way that he plays. Um Pedersen might be a little too uh, too flashy for the for the Bruins, <laughs> not enough brawn. But I I think I mean the Bruins are still good. Like yeah, they lost two centers, but they're they're still good. They're going to get a center at some point to kind of fill the gap. I don't think that they're a team that is going to like fall too much in the regular season because of how good their defense is. And I think you're right. They're just going to be maybe that boring team to watch. And maybe it's good for them going into the playoffs because they they won't have these almost like just otherworldly expectations. This is the last year of Patrice Bergeron. You just set all these records for most wins. You have to win. And they, they kind of crumbled under those expectations. And I think maybe coming into a year with uh, lower uh, spotlight being on you that it'll be a, an easier ride for them. And yeah, maybe, and I mean, then I think you get Tampa Bay in the first round, and I think the Bruins could could munch through them. Yeah, that'd be interesting. But I mean, you look at their production last year, right? Even if they finish with ten less wins, they're still top of this division. They finish with you know they give up forty more goals 
that's still better than the next best team in this division. So there's room for them to falter a little bit. And I think, you know, again, missing guys like Bergeron and Krejci are huge. But uh, ultimately, I still think, like you mentioned, the de- the defense is strong enough. The goaltending is strong enough that they're still going to find a way to finish towards the top of this division. Yep. There we go. I agree. Yep. Number two is where I have them. And Same. I mean, they could, they could go anywhere between two and four. I, I think they're in the playoffs. Uh, but that is our Atlantic division preview. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the entire league and our, our massive preview we've done over the last month. Um, enjoy the the regular season and starting next episode we're actually going to just talk about what's going on in the league so we'll be <laughs> we'll be back to normal buzzing along through the regular season uh don't forget you can find us on twitter at ot hockey talk any justin any final words thoughts um i love you i love you too <laughs> we'll talk to you guys soon <laughs>